Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Dave Scheinen of The Post and I somehow ended up in a restaurant um, near where we were staying. And it seemed like a divey place, exactly what you'd want to go. And I can't remember how we figured out the translation of the name. Um, but the translation of the name was Country Ass. And the reason it was Country <laughs> Ass, we figured out, was that everything on the menu was donkey. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. I think I'm out of that restaurant. <clears throat> I don't think I'm eating a donkey. <laughs> yeah, it'd be I tough for me. So. Michael? I'd, I'd definitely stay for the entire meal. Yeah. I'm all in. Yeah. For the donkey, as you say. I was too big a fan of Eeyore. I don't think I could do it. So Bonnie sent some stuff over the other day, some chocolate balls that were sitting in my office for about three years, and I ate them, <laughs> some of them, and they're, they're good. You know, chocolate balls last, you know, 10, 15, 20, 80 years. She sent over some pistachio notes. She also sent over a bunch of mail that I got. Most of it is junk. But I did get a lovely card from Tony Beeson. Oh, And it says, that? Dear Kornheiser Family Piano, Seasons, greetings, and happy holidays from me to you. And it's signed the Beeson Family Piano. The piano oh, on the card. Isn't that lovely? That. That's fantastic. So thank you to Tony Beeson for that. I got a lovely card. If Tony's an honorary colonel. From Michael. He is. Michael sort of thought Magalov. Van Pelt would be answering your mail by now. <laughs> thought Van Pelt would be answering your mail. Uh, well, he's squatting in the office. Uh, Michael McAuliffe, who's a judge in Rockville, wrote a very nice letter praising this show. Just saying that you need to understand that the show is good for people in this pandemic. They're happy because it makes them smile. They know everybody involved in it. You don't throw them any curveballs. It's the family that they've come to like and look in on. So it's a very nice letter. I got from uh, Ken Bogard in Walker, Michigan, a pin that says, I want a nap. <laughs> A pin. I want a nap. Thank you for that. I can get behind that. Yeah, that? I'd like to borrow that pin. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can have that. So I just thought I... just I'd... need to rest my eyes for a few. Yeah, let me thank everybody for everything that they've done. Carol has just shown up, which is... I get the pin first. Yeah, Carol gets the <laughs> I want a nap pin. And then I wanted to start with a couple of emails. Um, I am upbraided by Stephen in Manhattan. He is angry at me. And he's 100% right. And I'm going to read this so that you hear it. Dear Mr. Tony, at the end of today's episode, this is last week, this is the Meatloaf episode, you rightly praised one of the greatest albums of all time, Bad Out of Hell, but then you close by saying, whoever else is in the band, that's nice, have a soda. <laughs> well, allow me to remind you of who else was in the band on that album. And I did not know this. I did not. Perhaps you've heard of Todd Rundgren, who played guitar on most of the tracks, as well as various instruments on others. He also produced the album. Maybe you're familiar with Edgar Winter who played sax on a few tracks. And as part of the rhythm section for the album were Roy Bittan on keyboards and Max Weinberg on bass. Max Weinberg on bass, both famously long members of the E Street Band, with Max also being the band leader and sidekick with Conan O'Brien for many years. Part of why Steinman's composition with that album was as successful as it was, was because it was excellently executed by both Meatloaf and the entire ensemble of fantastic musicians who should be independently well-regarded in their own right. Indeed, I think the E Street Band connection <clears throat> is not a coincidence. Bat Out of Hell exaggerated in appropriately hyper-operatic fashion many of the themes that Bruce Springsteen had already established with Born to Run tracks like Jungle Land and Backstreet. And Jungle Land, certainly, which is his epic. It's Springsteen's epic, is Jungle Land. Moral of the story. When praising the greats, always seek out the littles who made the greats great. 
He couldn't be more right. I apologize on that. I've learned a lesson on that. <laughs> and, and happy to actually learn it. Sure. From Josh Weitzman. As we all remember Meatloaf, as I'm sure you're doing right now on the show, he sent this while we were doing the show. I just had a David Aldridge moment as Good Morning America showed a wonderful photo of Michael Ade, which is Meatloaf's actual name, but it's Marvin, I thought. Was it Michael or Marvin? Why did I think it was Marvin? It's, 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 I think it was, he changed it. Yeah, I think Marvin. he changed it. It was, yeah, it was both, yes. Of Ade and Jimmy Steinman together in 1970-something looking like actual gods. Please note this shout-out happened seconds after during my requisite Googling of someone after they die. I found Jimmy mentioned again in the Wikipedia article, not of Meatloaf, but of their touring partner and actress, Carla DeVito. Another great get from your childhood best friend, Jimmy Steinman. May they rest in peace and may both their families find comfort thinking of them in exactly this way. And then he sends what I guess is a tweet. Yes. And the tweet is from Janine Gibson, whose work I'm unfamiliar with. And she writes, the important thing is that Meatloaf and Jim Steinman are somewhere in a gothic castle with billowing floor-length white curtains, 400,000 candles, a grand piano, lacy sleeves, and infinite epics to write. At some point, there will be a motorbike. That's great. That's great. So from Josh in Jersey City and from Janine Gibson, thank you for that. And you are correct in the sense it was born Marvin Lee at a change it to Michael Lee at some point. Okay. So I wanted to get to this one other thing. I get the post online and the various times during the day when I'm looking for um, what the Capital Weather Gang is predicting. And we're going to get snow Friday into Saturday. Could be as little as two. Could be as much as six or eight for all I know. Right, Michael? Again, it's good in fluctuation. Uh, good timing for you. No chance to get on the golf course. But in terms of you know interrupting commutes, daily life, not, not so much this time. Right. So what I do is I look at very specifically... I look at the Capital Weather Gang, and then as long as I'm in the arena, I go to sports, see if anything's new in sports, and then I go to headlines. And this is what I got last night. This was the number one headline. Crypto collapse forces reckoning for everyday investors. And then when you read this thing, like one of the people involved apparently is Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr., who was... You know, he changed some of the stuff in his contract so that he gets paid off in... In crypto? Or Bitcoin. I don't know. Like, as you know, I don't know the difference between Bitcoin and crypto or anything like that. Here's what I know. I know I wrote a note to Matt Helfrick last night, and the note said, we're not in this crypto crap, are we? <laughs> and he assured me, no, we were not, which made me feel very good. Because as I was reading this, this is what occurred to me. I'm old. All right, that didn't occur to me. I live with the fact that I'm old. And I understand that the America I grew up in, which is different than the America of now because of the single worst thing that ever happened in the world, the Internet. But the America that I grew up in was based on a financial system that backed the coins and the bills. Not the Buffalo bills, the dollar bills. In those days, you could get bills up to $1,000. You can't do that anymore. Maybe you could even get $10,000. I don't know. That's far beyond what I was considering making in my life at that point. But you knew that if you went into a bank to cash a check, they would give you money. That if you went into the bank with a bunch of coins and you asked for bills, they would give you bills. I mean, that's how it worked. The American banking system was based on the penny... The nickel, the dime, the quarter, the half dollar, and sometimes a dollar piece. And the one, and the five, and the ten, and the twenty, and the fifty, and the hundred, and on and on. 
You knew what these things were worth. Even in inflation, the American government backed their currency system. Didn't have an alternative currency system. Didn't have that. Some people speculated in ways to get rich, but it wasn't in an alternative currency system. It was in hats or Cabbage Patch dolls or baseball memorabilia. It was in tangible things that, like, that I thought were tangible. Then Bitcoin came along. I don't know what Bitcoin is. I have no idea what it is. But then crypto came along. And crypto has a commercial by Matt Damon. I like Matt Damon. I trust Matt Damon. If you ask me the actors I trusted, Tom Hanks and Matt Damon are the first two that I'm going to mention. And when Matt Damon walks through that hallway and finally gets to the line, fortune favors the brave, and then you look behind him and there's this thing that says crypto, you go, oh, well, if Matt Damon's into it, maybe it's okay. Again, Michael, I need you to explain to me what crypto is. Yeah, I'm not the right person for this, but I think one thing that, that I'm struggling with is your faith in, say, the American dollar or the coin or, or, any, My or faith any of those... in the United States of America. Yeah, any of those standards. You start to say, well, what does, you know, with, with the idea of inflation, what does it actually mean? Because that's still just a floating scale as to what it might mean to you. And you understand it. You understand how to make it. You understand how to hold it. But if you then think about, if you say, hold on to that pile of money, May what not is it... Be there. What does it look like in 10, 20, 30 yeah. years? It might just be a pile of paper I'm holding or just on, an idea. I'm holding on to trust in the United States of America. That's really what it comes down to. Because if I have $100,000 in the bank or $40 million in the bank, and I go to the bank, I don't expect them to give me all of it, but I expect to get what I want because of my faith in the United States of America. Not in Bitcoin, which they have not endorsed yet, or crypto, which they have not endorsed yet. And I envision this with crypto. Uh, look, and I know I sound like a dope. I sound like an old idiot. I understand that, <laughs> you know. But I envision going to the bank and holding crypto in my hand. A bunch of crypto. I don't know if it's coins. I don't know if it's mud. I don't know what it is. But I go to the teller and I say, what can I get for all this crypto? This is all my crypto. This is all of it. And she comes back or he comes back with a pint of blueberries. <laughs> and I go, what happened? Yeah, what that, happened? That's pretty good with the cost of fresh produce <laughs> yeah. these days. Yeah. And that's all I get from my crypto is a pint of blueberries. So I don't know. I wouldn't invest in it. But you're young, Michael. Would you invest? You might. So I, I might. And this is where I, I love the stories when you find out that somebody has lost the pass, password oh. for their Bitcoin. And they have yeah. like or something. And like, $14 billion uh, yeah, tied like, up. And they can't you have one it. more chance. And you're like, I've already tried everything. Okay, try and put a special <laughs> character and try my first grade teacher. Right. So I, I love hearing that. But then on the other, on the other side, it, it pains me to see these celebrity endorsed um, you know, currencies because it doesn't seem like it has the same... Uh, the same review process that even your Bitcoin does have. So when you want to say like, well, Odell Beckham has the ability to get his incentives in this alternative currency because he's already made a big pile of That's money. Right. He already has enough. When you think about Matt Damon and, and these others. But the rest of you people. So you go on any social media platform, you're going to have influencers who are not Matt Damon saying, well, uh, crypto just bottomed out. They'll be laughing at you. Now's the time. You missed your chance a couple of years ago. You're never going to get another chance like this. And you go, sure okay. You you're going to get another chance in an hour. <laughs> Because this stuff is not backed by the United States government. It's an alternative currency. Yes. Am I right on this? Yes. It has no backing. 
It could be like what happened in Holland 400 years ago when people stopped buying tulip bulbs. Right. And then instead of being worth the equivalent of $40,000 per bulb, they were worth nothing. Literally overnight, nothing. I'm that guy. I'm the guy who's afraid of that. You know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Two things. I think Bitcoin is a type of cryptocurrency. Does that sound right, Michael? Yeah, you would be a big crypto guy. Yes. Well, yeah, that because I like to live on the outskirts yeah. of, of things like that. And secondly, you, you mentioned a short list of actors you trust. Nicholas Cage, I think, is somebody you Nicolas forgot, Nicolas right? Cage, I don't know. I don't trust <laughs> Nicolas Cage. No, I don't. Not Nick Cage. No, I don't. <laughs> but I think for you, it's impossible to separate this from, say, like the meme stocks or the you know the, the stock of the day type things where for so long the market has, has put up this barrier to to outsiders who feel like they're not part of this big money-making scheme that is backed by you know the government and is backed by all the protections that allow them to make these huge dividends and go ahead you're looking at me i uh, know i'm just quite certain that i take the positions i take because i'm old and i was i was outside of all of this and when i finally got inside like everybody else who finally gets inside they they cheer the inside because it took me so long <laughs> i think younger i'm, I'm just I'm reflecting on how old I am that, that I wouldn't do this. Right. Jackie sent me a great pair of socks. Read what it says on the socks. <laughs> Read it. Everything hurts and I'm dying. Isn't that great? <laughs> it's just a great Maybe pair we could of take socks. a picture of you holding the socks and sell it as an NFT. <laughs> what is an NFT? I don't even know. <laughs> oh. Not future transcript. Oh, that would non work out. Non-fungible something. Yeah, token. Not fungible telemetry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's like a digital. I saw. Not for Tony. <laughs> not yeah. for Tony. NFT. That's really what it is. Yeah, yes. let's get Matt Helfrick to say not for Tony. Let's take a break. <laughs> Booger McFarlane, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the X chair read. From the moment you sit in an X chair, your body will immediately say, ah. So this is what a real office chair is supposed to feel like. Can your current office chair give you massage while you're working? X chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? X chair can. It's all in the Elamax massage and temperature regulation, exclusively designed and made for X chair. And once you feel the customized support of X chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar, or the DVL, of course, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. High performance, quality engineering, extreme comfort. Those are all the reasons to love the X chair. I'm sitting in an X-Chair right now. Love the X-Chair. Try X-Chair for yourself risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never go back. Go to xchairtony.com now. That's the letter X, chair, T-O-N-Y, dot com. Or call one 844 4 xchair for $100 off your order. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. xchairtony.com. Use the code, people. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the band Intercontinental. It's not really Intercontinental because they stick a seven in the middle of it. <laughs> so it's Intercontin Seven Al. But it's pronounced Intercontinental. It's sent to us by Devin Heritage, who writes We're back for another round of frustrating you with our creative band name, Frustrating I Add, hypothetically. <laughs> Intercontinental released their second album at the end of 2021, once again born out of Columbia, Maryland. Intercontinental is the first band to record an album using 29 musicians representing all seven continents. What are the seven continents? Well, there's... North America, South America, Africa, England. Asia, Europe, and then the Antarctica. It's, yeah. It's, they got musicians in Antarctica? <laughs> Do they? That's a continent, isn't it? 
Is Australia a continent? Don't forget Australia Florida. Is a continent. Yes. Yeah. Australia is. Florida yes. is a yeah. continent. Yeah. This time, 100% of the proceeds are donated to the International Justice Mission, which works to fight human trafficking. Sorry the band name frustrates you, but Mitch Album is invited to join us. <laughs> Devin writes. Lovely. Michael, if people want, like Intercontinental want, to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyKornizerShow.com. It plays in Booger McFarland, and I had a whole bunch of questions for Booger. But they got trumped yesterday, the questions that I had, and we'll get to some of them. But they got trumped yesterday with two things that I think are <clears throat> particularly important. One is Sean Payton walking away, however briefly, from coaching and walking away, obviously, permanently from the New Orleans Saints. And one is the notion, and I actually think this is more important. I do. It's not as newsy, but it's more important. One is the notion that Tom Brady may actually walk. Now, we never heard that before, Booger. We never heard Tom Brady say anything other than the following words. Last year, this year, next year. That's all he ever said. There was no doubt that Tom Brady was going to play. And the level Tom Brady played at this year was as high as he's ever played. And now he's opened the door to the notion of walking by using, and it's his choice of words. He said, if I were to leave now, I'd be satisfied with what happened this year. Man, Tom Brady was never satisfied he was this just this sounds intriguing to me you played football what what do you think of tom brady opening this door well tony i i think for the first time you know we all look at tony uh at tom brady as like a, a robot like he doesn't have he doesn't bleed and it's kind of ironic that we finally saw him bleed against the rams but we're seeing a humanistic side of him because he started talking about uh his wife he started talking about family, being a dad. It's not just about him. It's not just about him and his goals and his achievements. It's about the family. And, you know, for the first time, I got the feeling, based on a lot of circumstances, that this could be it. And here's what I mean. I think Byron Leftwich is going to get a job, maybe even the Jacksonville Jaguars head coaching job. I think Todd Bowles is going to get a job. I think a lot of people on this Buccaneer team are not going to be back. And so it's almost going to be, even though Bruce talks about it being a reload, it's kind of going to be a rebuild regardless because you're going to have so many parts that are going to be changing out. And I just wonder whether Tom Brady wants to go through the process of getting to know teammates and coaches and learning the new offense and learning all this and that. And I just wonder if you couple that with the fact that He's given so much to the game of football, and since there's only so much time in a day, subsequently that time has been taken away from his family. And if he just says, you know what, now seems like the right time uh, for me to kind of walk away. It seems like it's a good time. You know, there's never no easy way to say goodbye. And I just wonder, and my gut feeling, and I have zero information whatsoever, but it just seems like this may be the time. And I just think we're seeing a side of him that we've all seen of ourselves, which is, like, he's vulnerable. He has feelings. He cares about what his wife thinks and his family and so many different things. So it, it is, it's fun to see because, as I said in the beginning, we think of him as a robot. And how ironic on Sunday we saw the robot bleed, and then yeah. pretty soon in the next couple of three weeks we may see the robot retire. We watched him go from 27-3 down to get his team in the last minute in position to go to overtime. It was a classic Brady performance, and he could walk out on that. There's two things I wanted to add to what you're saying. One is I think he watched Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski can't play anymore. He can't run. I don't want to say he can't play because he can catch and he can block, but he can't run anymore. And it looks to me like he's going to walk away. 
And that's Brady's boy. And Brady looks around and he goes, I don't have Antonio Brown. I, I, I know these other guys for a couple of years. I don't have anybody I'm really pals with anymore. But, and here's the but, Booger, Tom Brady is probably the most structured person that anybody has ever met. He doesn't strike me as someone who can be idle. He doesn't strike me as someone who can walk away without total structure on the other side of the door that he walks through. And I don't know that he has that. Does that play into it? Yeah, it, it, it plays into it a little bit, Tony, but he does have some structure. He's got Alex Guerrero and his TB12 stuff. He's got some some other companies that he's invested in. And then you, I, I, I think you may be forgetting the biggest structure that he set up on his own, which is his family. He's got a wife. Yeah. He's got three yeah. kids. He, he's got that structure that he just goes right back into being a dad. He talked about making pancakes the other morning. As someone who's done that and does it even now as a dad, I, I know what that feeling is like to – it's a simple satisfaction, Tony, but it's a satisfaction nevertheless when you wake up and your kids can come and see you and you can make them breakfast and you can send them on with their day and then you kind of sit back and regroup and take that moment in. Like as a football player for six months out of the year, you don't get a chance to do that because you got to be at work at 6 a.m. So you're missing all of that. And I think when the offseason gets here, you know, the first month of the offseason, you're trying to decompress and you're, you know, you're kind of heal up. And so you don't really get to enjoy it. And I think that the structure that I'm speaking of is something that he's had ever since he married Giselle and started having kids. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I now, if I had to lean, I'd lean that he would not be back. Let me get to Sean Payton. Sean Payton now thinks he wants to go into television. He hasn't shut the door on coaching, although he did say he wants to shut the door this year, which he has to do because he's under contract to 2024. And unless Jerry Jones hands the owner of the Saints $50 billion, they're not going to let Sean Payton walk to Dallas, which is the logical place for him to walk to. What do you make of Sean Payton walking away? I think Sean is looking at the landscape and realizing that, you know, I've been in this one place. For 15, 16 years, uh, never before have I been in a situation with the quarterback, with COVID, with the salary cap, with everything that's going on where all these barriers have been in front of me. You couple that with the fact that I'm just a little burnt out and I want to take some time off. I think Sean Payton is going to set out this year from coaching. I think he'll do a little TV. He'll regroup. He just got married. Think about that, Tony. Think about just getting married before football season. He hasn't had an opportunity to really enjoy his bride. And for someone who is newly married, who is so, so um, obsessed with being great, you know he wants to be a great husband. I think this is his second marriage. And so you, you look at everything that's going on with football, he's probably like, you know what? Now's the time that I can step away and enjoy this. And maybe I'll decide to come back in it at some point. Maybe I don't. But either way, I want to enjoy life. Like, Sean Payton has probably made $150, $200 million coaching. Like, he's made a ton of money. He's making like $15 million a year. So money is not the driver for him to go to work every day. It's got to be success. It's got to be competitiveness. And having failed at one marriage, you probably have to think that he wants to be competitive at this one. So everything makes sense. Now, I don't think he's done with coaching. I do think he's going to come back, and everybody points to Dallas because he's got a home in Dallas and Jerry Jones' infatuation with him, and I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But things, always don't, things don't always add up as you uh, – you know, two and two is not always four when it comes to coaching, so we'll see where he goes in, 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 in another year. Okay. Let me move on to something else. Let me move on to 
a fellow LSU alum, Joe Burrow, and how you feel about him. I, I'm assuming that you like him and you root for him because of the LSU tie, and I'm assuming you're pretty impressed with the way he's done in the last year. Super impressed because, you know, Tony, here's the thing about playing quarterback, and I, I'll make this nice and short. Quarterback is not about your physical traits, really. It's about your mental traits and your mentality, your ability to process and deliver and think really, really quick without panicking. And he does all at a super high level. Now, when you add in on top of that, that he has some movement skills, some athletic ability, he's six foot three. Now you, now you see what that looks like with that type of athletic frame. So, yeah, I am super proud because I'll never forget the fact that he was at Ohio State and Urban Meyer and everybody at Ohio State chose other quarterbacks over him. Yeah. And it just yeah. it really, really brings a smile to my heart because uh, you don't always have to be a five-star. or You don't always have to be the best player. All you need is an opportunity. And LSU gave him an opportunity, and he ran with it. And I'm, I'm proud to see what he's doing now. The greatest quarterback ever out of LSU. LSU has a history of people not being great in the pros. You know, and he's, he's great. He's great. But he knocked out your boys. Tennessee's your team. Tennessee was a team yeah. you were back in the whole way, knocked them out. What do you, you know, what do you think of that? What happened to Tennessee? That was, man, Tannehill stunk. He did. He stunk. Yeah, Tannehill happened to Tennessee. And I think if you're Mike Vrabel and you're going to be honest with yourself in a private moment, you got to get better at the quarterback position. So yeah. don't be surprised if you see Tennessee sniffing around Aaron Rodgers, maybe sniffing around other people because – Tennessee dominated that game in every shape, fashion, or form. They just couldn't throw the football. And if you look back on their season, when Ryan Tannehill struggled, they struggled. Like, he didn't just struggle with, like, one pick. He struggled with multiple picks. He threw four yes. against the Texans. He threw three yes. against the Bengals in a, in a playoff game. So, I, I, Tennessee is a Super Bowl-caliber team everywhere else except the quarterback position, and they have to get that figured out. I agree with that. And what leads me to another question which is San Francisco is a Super Bowl-caliber team in every position other than quarterback, except that quarterback actually got to a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Do you like San Francisco? They, Shanahan has owned McVay. Do you like San Francisco to beat the Rams? Uh, they've beaten them six in a row, Tony. Yep. At some yep. point, you've got to figure that that's going to change. I think the biggest difference is this, is that you know, if, if, if you look at what the 49ers and, and how they normally beat them, they beat them because they physically manhandled them at the line of scrimmage. And physically manhandled them something that they've done every time. I think they'll continue to do that unless the Rams can change that. And by changing that, meaning they're going to have to run the football. They're going to have to control the line of scrimmage because if this turns into a game that it's ultimately a passing game, Matthew Stafford um, is somebody who I think can make some plays, but he's going to have to block that San Francisco 49er defensive line, and that's how they beat him last time. So, yeah, they've beaten him six in a row, uh, just like Alabama had beaten Georgia several more times. At some point, yes. Tony, these streaks yes. are meant to be broken, but you've got to do things to change that, and we'll see if the Rams can do that. So you're talking about the offensive line of the Rams not being able to hold up against the defense. They're not talking about the defensive line of the Rams because that's got Donald and, and Miller, right? Correct. I'm assuming. Okay. Correct. The, the, the Rams' offensive line is the key to the game. Uh, if you go back and look at every matchup between these, these two teams, the Rams' offensive line has gotten dominated every time. 
they don't have to dominate the 49ers, but they at least have to put up a fight. Like the, when, when the Rams were up 17 nothing against the 49ers and everybody turned the television off, yeah. if you go back and you watch that game in the second half, it was one of the most unbelievable butt kickings I've ever seen by a defensive line of said offensive line. So, yeah, the Rams' offensive line is going to have to go see the Wizard and find the heart because if they right. don't, then I'm afraid that we're going to have maybe one of the biggest controversies we've ever had, and here's what I mean. Jimmy Garoppolo will be in the Super Bowl playing for a world championship, and his heir apparent is standing right behind, right behind him on the sideline, and everybody in America thinks he's going to be the quarterback next year. Talk about an off-season controversy. Oh, this is just like it's, it's Mahomes and Alex Smith, right? Isn't that the analogy? Mahomes and Alex Smith, when, when Kansas City went, even though Alex Smith was perfectly competent, they knew they had something better in Mahomes. San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan traded up to get this kid Trey Lance, right? You expect him to be the quarterback next year, don't you? Everybody expects him to be the quarterback yeah. next year. I mean, they gave away several first-round picks, uh, realizing yeah. that this is the future. And yeah. what do you do with the future if the guy currently uh, at the quarterback position takes you to a Super Bowl and maybe even does the unthinkable, Tony? And what if Jimmy it? Garoppolo and the 49ers <laughs> win a Super Bowl? You can't yeah. get rid of a Super Bowl-winning quarterback for a second-year guy, can you? No. No, now you got to wait at least one year on that. Booger, thank you. I hope, are we going to see you on Thursday on the PTI show like we've been doing? Because I've enjoyed that. So I hope that happens. Yes, I'll be there, Tony, at 420. Good, 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 good. Thanks. Booger McFarland, boys and girls. We'll take a break. When we come back, Chuck Todd will join us. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening, You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Indochino ad. Whether it's finding a signature color, wearing a more flattering cut, or getting a new statement piece, the right detail can take your wardrobe up a notch. This year, let Indochino take care of your 2022 style edit. You can customize everything from suits and shirts to chinos and bomber jackets. <laughs> bomber jackets at prices more affordable than you might expect. Nigel, you've got suits. Yes. Are you in the market for a bomber jacket? I believe I am. I, and at these prices, you'd be, you'd be foolish not to get one. Uh, plus the fact that you can design it the way you want. Uh, hopefully, I can get the interior lining with a union jack, as I, as I love to do with all my clothes. So, But yes, it's fantastic. Indochino offers completely custom-fitted suits, shirts, casual wear, and more at surprisingly affordable prices. Get a wardrobe personalized to your style and taste without spending a fortune. Every piece, as Nigel has said, is made to your exact measurements, with a rope and a yardstick. <laughs> and you can customize every detail. Choose everything about your suit, including the fabric, lapel, monogram, and as Nigel said, the statement lining. You can create a suit that fits you and your style perfectly. The best part is that Indochino suits start from just $429. Their shirts from $79 with all customizations included. So give yourself a style edit that sets the tone for the rest of the year with Indochino. Get $50 off any purchase of $399 or more by using the promo code TONYK at Indochino.com. That's $50 off a purchase of $399 or more at I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com, promo code TONYK. And by all means, people, use the code. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, we are playing original tunes by Intercontinental, but Intercontinental is spelled I-N-T-E-R- C-O-N-T-I-N-E-N, -E and then the number seven is put in there, A-L, but it's pronounced intercontinental. 
Because if it was pronounced intercontine seven ow, <laughs> nobody would know what in God's name you were talking about. Like the Oneidas. Intercontinental. Right, the Oneidas. This is called uh, Puerto Ryzen. Puerto Ryzen, not Puerto Rican. It's for Chuck. Puerto Ryzen, unless I'm completely screwing that up. It's an international band. They can do what they want as far Absolutely. as I'm concerned. Chuck Todd is with us. And Chuck Todd again last week. Chuck Todd goes 3-1 and one last week, loses the first game, maybe the first game, or maybe the second game, whatever it was, but then first wins game. both no, Sunday game. games. So wins yeah. three in a row. Chuck Todd now 73-62-1. So if you bet with Chuck Todd, you're guaranteed making money. There's only three games left. Chuck, this is the best year you've had. And in the last six weeks, yeah. Chuck Todd is 27-11. and 11. He's killing it. 27 and 11. Why, why waste time with Sunday morning television when you can <laughs> become right. a professional tout? <laughs> Who knew? And I'm doing this with sort of, uh, you know, Jimmy G-like talent, you know, and, 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 and pulling off this, uh, this hot streak. Uh, you know, I, I only wish I'd bet with myself. With That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. 27 and 11, I, you had to make money. I, well, I, made, I did make some money, but the one I lost, this week, I, I the con, when you you know you have more confidence in certain picks. I was the most confident about Tennessee. Me too. I I, I thought they'd win by I, fifteen. I so I had them, I had them in a lot of different bets. I had right. them in a couple of parlays and this or that. So it ended up I didn't because I didn't trust myself on the uh, uh, on the other on the other ones as much. But so yeah, I, I I wish I would bet with myself. I had somebody on the airplane this week. He goes. You've made me money this uh, this month. Who is that? Just some random guy, man. It was great. Yeah, this just happens all the time to Sands, wherever Sands goes. I just think you'd have to enjoy that when somebody I, I recognizes it. you for that. And that's all it is. We don't just, have any other. Just just like here, I don't hear the words Biden. I don't hear the words right, no. You know, no Trump or Putin. No, it's no. The no. I will tell you this. I, I thank the, you for that, Tony. It really the betting, one of the few mental breaks I get. Yeah. <laughs> the the betting, you know, is now being encouraged. You you cannot watch television for more than ten minutes without get bet, getting betting ads. Most of them I don't like, although I do like the one where the guy says, "We're all Caesars. We're all Caesars." I, <laughs> well, I actually that like that. It's funny. Yeah, because we love JB Smith. He's yeah, fine. so yeah, he yeah. makes me laugh. But the most pathetic one is the one now with the mooch, Steve Mariucci, where he comes oh, out of a darkened yeah. hallway and he starts writing on a blackboard and it ends up with, you know, don't bet too much, don't be, even though we in the NFL encourage you to spend all your money betting, we also want to yeah. say that we don't really, and it is a, path, it, am I right, Chuck, is that a pathetic ad? I, no, it's terrible, it, it, and I know oh. we're not supposed to say that because, of course, we want, I'm sure there is some, specific amount of money that contractually the government has made them advertise, right? State governments have said, if you're yeah. going to do this, you better spend this yeah, money. Yeah, be responsible. The speaking, of gambling, speaking of gambling, isn't it great that uh, Major League Baseball put Pete Rose in finally? I thought that was wonderful <laughs> now that they have this partnership with DraftKings and FanDuel. I mean, there's no way they're keeping them out now, right? Or, or did I did I miss yeah. that? At the moment, Sorry. the Hall of Fame is missing... <laughs> The all-time hit king, the all-time home run king, the most powerful pitcher in the last 60 years with the most Cy Youngs, and the only guy in history to go 60 or 60-plus 60 more than once three times. Those people are not in. So if I wanted to create 
a rump hall of fame across the street in Cooperstown, more people yeah. would come to mind. <laughs> no, I've thought about this. You're taking your kid. Hey, Daddy, show me who, who hit the most home runs. Not here. No, well, that guy's not here. <laughs> who had the most hits? Well, that guy's not here, but the guy's had the second most hits. You want to see that? You know. No. No. It, and, uh, and the home run is the singular symbol of baseball. You have to accommodate this guy on some level. You, I, you, you, know, you have just, to. Just have a penalty box. As you, right. I heard you yeah. yesterday. I've on thought, the plaque. You can even make it look like a bulge out of Cooperstown. I always thought, like, have an architect. Have it bulging out. Yeah, on the you side. Know, the, sort of the steroids wing. The so side room. It looked per, like a protruding like a protruding room. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Let's get to what we pay you for, and we pay you a lot. <laughs> Let's get to the two games. Cincinnati, who you missed on last week, is plus seven at Kansas City. I think they beat Kansas City earlier in the year, but Kansas City has now won 11 out of 12. And let's understand something. The kid they got a quarterback. I love Joe Burrow, but the kid they got a quarterback is the best in the business because what Josh Allen did last week deserves to win games. Deserves to win games. And he got beat. I made this analogy on TV to Wilbon once. I said it's like, it's like Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the county Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the whole state. He's great. This one seems to me like more than seven, but you've been burned. So who do you like in this game? You know, I'm really confident that Kansas City's going to win this game. I think seven points feels like a lot, and yet there's also a part of me, and I feel this way about the other game too, where Cincinnati feels like they've gotten as far as they can get. Like you just... They just don't have the horses. And you're almost – I don't want them to get to the Super Bowl, not because I have some anti-Cincinnati thing. I just think that they're not ready and they're going to get pantsed. You know, that it will it, – it, it won't give us the best game where you know the Chiefs are going to show up and, and give you the best game. Look, I just think seven's a lot. But if I don't think Cincinnati can win, I shouldn't take those points. So I'll take Kansas City. But I'll tell you, if you want to – the gamblers, people are going to tease that down to one point if they can't. Because sure. of the, the six-point thing. Um, but that's the thing. I mean, didn't they meet in the regular season? And this was a pretty good shootout, if I recall. Cincinnati one beat of the, them. Yeah, it was, it was a great Cincinnati shootout. beat them. So. But it didn't count for quite as much. Look. No, I know. Um, I'm with you. Patrick it's the Mahomes. one out of the 11 of 12, right? Yeah. Yes, that's it's the, the only loss they've had, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes has been a starter in the league for four years. And four years gone at least as far as the AFC championship game. You know who else has done that? Like almost no one. Like Brady. Brady's about it, right? Yeah. Brady's done. I, it, it, there's three Montana, people who have maybe. done it. Three yeah. people who have done it. And Patrick Mahomes. And every. And by the way, everything, when you say, do you know who's done it? The, all, the answer always is Brady. I know. Brady's <laughs> Brady. done all of that. Because Brady's the best that ever lived. All right. But Mahomes is great. Could he have a letdown? Sure. But they look. I know Wilbon likes to make fun of them, a dynasty of one, because they're one and two in Super Bowls. But if you get to. Four straight Super Bowls. It's only been done once before, and that team lost all four. Kansas City can't lose all four because they've already How are we won. How feeling one. about Andy Reid? By the way, I know uh, he's never going to have the numbers of Belichick, but this is a pretty good run this guy's put together. I mean, where does he fit on the coaching pantheon, and does he need one more? He's got one. He's had a lot of failure in when he was in Philadelphia. He only got to it right. once. You know, only got to it once. But, but he was in the NFC title game all the time. He's in that second tier of great. Like, he's right there, like, at the top of the second tier of great. But is he, 
is he on the like who's in there like who who do you put them who who who, who is that is that like tom flores no i think guys like, like bill parcells are in the second tier oh, i mean i think i think oh, the so first tier is very very okay. small i mean the, the first tier to me is you know belichick is obviously in the first tier landry is in the first tier um, Chuck Knoll, one four of them, got to be in the Shula. first tier. Yeah. Shule in the first tier, maybe Marv Levy, but he lost them all. But this, you know, Joe Gibbs, I think he's in. He won three. Bill Walsh, absolutely in. So there's like eight to ten guys, and then yeah, sure. Andy Reid's in the next group. I think, I think. Right, we move on one more game. San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan, which own Sean McVay. I know. They own them six and zero oh in the last six. It's a Nick Saban situation. Shanahan is the teacher. McVeigh is the pupil, though McVeigh's one-loss percentage kills Shanahan's overall. It just doesn't kill him against Shanahan. Shanahan owns McVeigh. They're getting three and a half, which I thought would be lower. I thought it'd be two and a half, not three and a half. At the Rams, mm-hmm. doesn't matter at the Rams. They beat him at the Rams like an hour and a half ago. And they controlled the game. They crushed the Rams. I'm in for the Rams because on March last year, when they made the trade for Matthew Stafford, I went on PTI and I said, Stafford's the MVP and the Rams again in the Super Bowl. And Wilbon couldn't have laughed more. And who's laughing now? Huh? So I'm stuck with the Rams. This is, this is potentially nobody can see the Rams being crushed in this game. And you can see it the other way around. But it's hard to turn away from six and zero, right, Chuck? It's hard. It is, and and it's and Shanahan just maximizes whatever he has, right? There's yep. no doubt. It's it's impressive. Um, but again, in the same way, I feel like Cincinnati's hit. It feels like the 49ers have gone as far as they should go with the personnel they have, right? That that you shouldn't be able to get to. If you can get to a Super Bowl with Garoppolo, then at this point. Why do we make a big deal out of the quarterback position? You know, it it it, it sort of says that you know, with if you're a good enough coach, you should be able to scheme your way around it. I, I so I I again at three and a half, I want to take it. I want that half point. I like it, but I just I'm more worried about the second scenario you painted yeah. the Rams that the Forty ers It's just again like Cincinnati. They just went as far as they could and. The Rams just kind of roll. Um, let me ask you this: If you could throw away, you have the Rams now, and you have this, you pick this in March. Yeah. If you hadn't picked anybody, would you pick the Rams now? No. Of these four teams. Yeah. Oh, of these four? No, I'd pick since uh, yeah. pick Kansas City. No, I would pick, pick Kansas, Kansas City. City. But I only picked them to get to the Super Bowl. I didn't claim they would win it, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. I'll say this: that Jimmy Garoppolo is four and one all time in playoff games. Yeah. He's never lost a playoff game outside of the Super Bowl. Well, I know it's he like stinks. Trent Dilfer, right? Well, or Wilbon Brad, hates which one him. Is it? Trent Dilfer and Brad Johnson. I mean, is Garoppolo and Trent Dilfer? Yeah, yeah. they have won. Yeah, but you can won, win. Right? You can win. You can win with Joe Flacco. You can win. You know, I, he's he's. I, Wilbon hates him. Wilbon says he shouldn't even be allowed to play now. Wilbon will put Trey Lance in the game now. He hates Garoppolo so much. But Jimmy Garoppolo is 4-1 and one in the playoffs. So Kyle Shanahan, you got to give, right, that's who you're giving the credit to, right, Chuck? That's what you said. It goes to Kyle to. Shanahan. You have yeah. to, but I will say this. You know, the, the, they stop. You can't get talked to in the helmet, right, in the last 15 seconds. 
Yeah. So, you know, we sit here and we mock Jimmy G and everybody. It's fun to dunk on Jimmy G. You know, the guy does have to call the audibles, right? The guy has to read a defense. He must be pretty good at it because they do seem to either be in the right play or stay, you know, you could, he at least understands what Shanahan wants to get done. And, you know, it's kind of like Alex Smith, right? When he went there and he just, he knew how to operate that car. You may not have been impressed with how he did it, but he, you know, I, I, you got to give Jimmy, he knows how to drive this Porsche. You know, his record as a driver, starter he, is something like okay. 35 and 15. Is that good? How's Tyler Heineke's record? <laughs> is it 35 and 15? I don't think so. Hey, anyway, this, you know what Aaron Rodgers' record is against Jimmy Garoppolo? It's O. Yeah, well, in playoffs, it's O. Yeah, exactly. It's O. It's O, and there's a double, and there's more than one on the other side in that launch column. People are getting sick of I was surprised. I was surprised at how many texts I got from people 50 and up. Who yeah. said good that Aaron Rodgers lost? I like Aaron well, Rodgers. It, I'm well, a minority now. Said, as somebody said, and this sort of hit me a little bit, where I'm like, eh, there may be some truth to this. Tom Brady doesn't go on uh, the Pat McAfee show to talk about cancel culture. Tom no. Brady, if he does talk, <laughs> he talks about what I have to do to win this football game. And, you know, is Aaron Rodgers the guy that wakes up every morning and says, what do I got to do today to get past San Francisco? Or does he wake up and say, how can I, you know, how do I get to uh, go after the people that are going after me? I think the second is what he thinks yeah. about. And then he I says, and too. how can I get that Jeopardy job? <laughs> Want that Jeopardy job. All right, thank I, you, I don't get the, the lure of celebrity, man. It's such a drug, mm. and some of these people just are addicted to it. And he, he belongs online. You know, they just live online. I hope you win this. I hope you win them both. Thank you, Chuck. Well, we'll talk to you before Appreciate the Super Bowl. It. That's right. done great for us. Bye, guys. Done great. Once again, seventy three, sixty two, and one, and and down the stretch. But if we gave you just Chuck Todd, and that would be enough, it just wouldn't be enough for us. And we give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scratch, scratch, scratching, Sing along, watching everybody. his iPad, smoking and laughing, hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, tapping on his purple attaché. Nigel's going to the zoo, zoo, zoo. Reginald's got the bikes by two, sometimes he throws poo, 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 and he's had too much Johnny. I'm tired of Reginald. Reginald stinks. Reginald keeps betting against Chuck Todd. Yeah. Showing spine, but no intellect. <laughs> no intellect. It's almost as if Reginald's in the hot seat like Nigel with the morning sun. I know. This is One very, and yeah. three. I can't even look over at Michael. Oh, yeah. Sun. We're getting yeah. sun. Yeah. The first time. One uh, and three. 27 and 34. Not going to have a winning season. No. And I told you last week why. I asked you, why does he pick against Chuck Todd all the time? Why? Just an obstinate monkey. You know? It's, it's, it's in his nature to go against people. So 27 and did 34. Not, did not pay off for him. Uh, and so... Certainly has not paid off from down the stretch either. At one point, he was right at 500 late in the game, and now it's just falling apart. Um, so I went down to the National Zoo um, just to check on him, and he'd been very busy for the last several days. I'm not sure if, if you or our listeners are familiar with the story about a truck full of 100 monkeys crashing in Pennsylvania and the num- number of them escaping. Well, Reginald had been busy working with authorities to track down the remaining monkeys. Now, authorities are saying that they've all been caught. Reginald assured me there's still one on the loose. Extant, <laughs> as we like to say. His name, the, the monkey on the, uh, the extant on monkey, the is uh, Ishmael. 
Yeah, uh, apparently, call me Ishmael. <laughs> maybe, maybe he was a fan of Melville. We're not sure. Yeah. Um, he does know how to drive, and he loves to gamble. So go. the thought is that he will be headed to Vegas. If you see him, please use caution and do not, under any circumstances, loan him any money. Don't underestimate this monkey. <laughs> Don't underestimate him. I hear he's driving a stick. <laughs> yes, he does. So he's good. He knows standard. Um, so, but he did take a, a few moments to go over these uh, matches with me. The first one we gave him was a Kansas City at home giving seven versus Cincinnati. Now, he's been obstinate against Chuck Todd this whole year, but he shows me a very old photograph, a very young Reginald in studio with Wilbert Harrison recording that famous song, Kansas, Kansas City. City here I so just like Chuck Todd, he will take Kansas City in this. One of the, one of the few Good chances. Smart monkey. <laughs> well, you know, it's evolution. He's adapting. Yeah. Um, now, the next one, not sure which way he was going to go with this, but then he showed me a picture of him at Fisherman's Wharf. With Juan Marichal, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, and Jerry Garcia, all go. great citizens of San, San Francisco. Francisco, tells me he likes the 49ers and he'll take them with the three and a half. It's okay, you know that. That one's reasonable, right? That, yeah, I, I think three and a half is more than that line ought to be. I think that line ought to be two or two and a half, considering the way San Francisco has played against the Rams in L.A. So yeah, I think that's that's a high number to me, three and a half. I'd I'd be surprised if. If they didn't get the majority of action on the 49ers. Well, that's good. All right, we're going to take a break. Email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Sign every soto onto my team. <laughs> Mario and Gregory. Even Giovanni. Sign every Soto there is. Sign D Soto. Bring them back. Grab everyone. Sign every Soto onto my team. I could run the club right now. Sign the whole family. More swear No more swear Sign every Soto onto my Fantastic. By the way, Liz doesn't seem to want all the uh, gummy bears. Really? I'll eat the gummy bears. She was going to return one bag of gummy bears, but didn't want it to become a thing on the show, so thank you, Dad. <laughs> That's Kirsten Onstad, of course, who writes, To paraphrase the great Randy Jackson, it's tough to take on Whitney Houston, dog, or Chaka Khan, I add parenthetically, but the moment you said the phrase, sign every soda last week, I knew I was going to go against Randy's advice, so sorry. I went ahead and did it anyway. It's a parody of Whitney's version of I'm Every Woman. Oh, and my dad once had a DeSoto, and I have eight outlets in my kitchen. Nope. Catching us up on everything. <laughs> Kirsten yeah. Onstead. Wonderful. Nigel, yep. what about Bethesda Bagels? We love Bethesda Bagels. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com. Forward a location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say I like the way your sparkling earrings lay against your skin so brown, and I want to sleep with you in the desert tonight. With a billion stars all around, because I get a peaceful, easy feeling, and I know that you won't let me down, because I'm already standing on the ground. That's Glenn Fry, and Don Henley, that's Early Eagles. Thanks to our guests today, Chuck Todd, Booger McFarlane. Thanks to today's sponsors, Indochino and X-Chair. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. 
You play that KJ jingle enough, pitchers and catchers, on time. <laughs> yes. It'd be great if that were the case. Yes, wouldn't it be? From Jennifer Pellegrini, my husband has been a fan of yours for many years, and right after moving to Virginia in 2019, he attended one of your Breakfast Time shows. Now he's been cast in a production of Bright Star, which opens January 19th, so it's opened already, at the Little Theater of Alexandria. He plays the villain, and I'm so proud of him that I wanted to send you the link in case you'd like to see the show before it ends on February 5th. And I have the link, and maybe I will do that. Dave Lombardo in Saratoga Springs. <clears throat> State lawmakers in New York have heard your dismay about the flagship distinction being applied to Stony Brook and Buffalo, but not to Binghamton University. Democrats representing the southern tier in the Albany area wrote a letter to the governor urging her to include the universities in Binghamton and Albany as flagship institutions. As we wait for this issue to be resolved, you should find some solace in the governor's plans to turn the Binghamton area into a manufacturing hub for batteries. So the southern tier has that going for it, which is nice. Based upon this dispatch from the Capitol, can I be the official New York State government correspondent for the Tony Kornheiser show? Yeah, Absolutely. you can be better than that if this gets done, <laughs> or else let's, let's recall this governor. Who's kidding More interested in the batteries. I could use a replacement for the vacuum. Sure. From Casey, Casey Krutz, um, who's the head coach of men's bowling at the New Jersey Institute of Technology. Hello, Mr. Tony. Your Binghamton Bearcats are looking to hire a bowling coach. I thought your experiences during the PTI bowling party would make you interested in this, but it's hard to coach from the attic. In all seriousness, can you please read this email on the air in case any of the littles who are also bowlers are interested in applying? They can find it on Indeed.com. Michael will explain what that is. Yes, I know I'm from a competing school, but the bowling community would benefit from having another team in the area. We, the bowler littles, stick together. If you read my name on the air, my last name rhymes with fruits, so it's Chris Krutz. But I know you hate watermelon, so feel free to pronounce it however you want. I think we just beat NG, NJIT the other day in basketball. You did, yes. But if can, Binghamton needs a bowling coach... Can you get paid in French fries and bowling alley wine? That would be great. Would you consider becoming the bowling coach at Binghamton? I, I'd have to uh, warm up a little bit. You know, I can't really break 140, but we'll see. I just think that would be really good to <laughs> be If I give it that Tom Brady focus, a little yeah. TV12. And you get a, you know, you get that shirt. Oh, a shirt with my name on it? Oh, yeah, that'd be coach. great. A haiku from Shad for the perfect martini. Gin vermouth bitters, icy cold in a Stuben martini glass. That's for the people who were... <laughs> the, the guy who was stealing the jewels from his late girlfriend, Lawrence Gray. From Tim Wildsmith. Dear Mr. Tony, the jewel thief definitely did it. He now subscribes to the Washington Post, and he's in Nashville. That's great. Uh, Ryan Mahan in Springfield, Illinois. I think you need to start asking Nigel for gas receipts of some kind of proof. He's actually going to the zoo. There are apps to track business-related trips. I'm sure Michael could set it up for you. The monkey's picture's so bad lately. <laughs> Nigel might be expensing these trips on the podcast dime without actually making the trips down to the zoo and claiming that he did. Fraud is a fireable offense. From Jeff Barger <laughs> in Hillsboro, North Carolina. I teach elementary age students at a small school. My lesson plan for Friday was already written, but I'm scrapping it now. New lesson plan. Never give a monkey a chainsaw. Information for life. From Gordon in San Diego, California. I've been to Applebee's. Not once has someone greeted me by my name when I walked in. You had tell the story you told me this morning about Applebee's. Oh, that my friend just texted me and said, woke up, saw the ad, said, this is an abomination. Said, I I'm furious now. This is a terrible way to start my day. Yeah. But it's true. It is an abomination. They shouldn't have the right to that. From Jim Berry in Woodbine, Maryland, he writes, this show is our cheers. That's it. That's the email. From Jennifer Vasilek in 
Alexandria, Virginia. After listening to the mailbag last week, I felt the need to write in with a tip I learned that changed my life forever. <clears throat> Until about a year ago, I had gone through my entire 35 years of existence, also thinking that the one and only way to hard-boiled eggs was to add the eggs to room temperature water and allow the eggs to come to a boil with the water they're submerged in. That's what I've always thought. That was until I saw a Food Network program that started that stated to boil the water first, place the eggs into the boiling water and let them boil for 13 minutes. Not 14 minutes, not 12 minutes, exactly 13 minutes. Once the eggs are done cooking, drain the hot water out and replace it with cold water and ice for another five minutes before either peeling or storing in the fridge for later consumption. Since adopting this method, I've had nothing but perfectly peeled, hard-boiled eggs. I hope you'll give this a try as it works as well for you as it has for me. We're going to save that one. Yeah. Right? Do you agree with that, Mike? I'm very interested to try. From Crystal Homes in Calumet Park, Illinois, which I think is where the horse farms, named after that? That's in Kentucky, though. Dear Mr. Tony, on Wednesday's show last week, you and the gang read a letter about cooking rice and proceeded to have a quick and dismissive exchange about boiling eggs. You boil the eggs in the water at the same time, you exclaimed. I immediately stopped what I was doing and ran to my email machine because A, this is wrong, and B, I have wisdom for life. If you want to peel an egg and not have to cross your fingers and hope for the best, you bring the water to a complete boil before adding the eggs. This is two in a row. Cooking the egg more quickly keeps it from slowly attaching itself to the shell as it cooks. Then you place the eggs in a bowl of ice water when done to help them set quickly again so the soft eggs don't attach to the inside of the shell. We have boiled eggs for breakfast every day in our house and it works like a charm. Every now and then I stand up I end up standing over the garbage trying to salvage an egg that's coming apart in chunks while I peel it. Without fail, the other person in the house says, sorry, I forgot to put them in ice water. So this is an important step. But so is only putting eggs in fully boiling water to begin with. Thanks for the entertainment. I can't wait to hear someone give the wrong directions for boiling <laughs> pasta so I can write in again. Till then, all the best, Crystal Holmes. Which I think is those two in a row. Yeah, okay? I'm doing it. From Chris in Los Alamos, which I assume is in New Mexico. One would think, yes. It's always great to hear Liz Clark on the show, but you failed to ask her, this was last week, the most important question. Was Novak Djokovic deported from Australia on a pontoon boat, <laughs> and were there any Kardashians or Salahis on the vessel with him? That's a good question. From Jonathan in Huntsville, which I assume is Huntsville, Alabama. While visiting my mom's house this past weekend, I was flipping through the Dayton Daily News. Well, then maybe it's Huntsville, Ohio. Could be, yes. Dayton Daily News, which had a game story about the recent Ohio State-Penn State men's basketball game. To my surprise, boom, there was Sam the Man Sessoms, prominently featured for the Nittany Lions. It was a total David Aldridge moment as I blurted out to no one in particular. I know that guy. Thanks, as always, for D.C. traffic and weather. Alex Cloninger, Associate Professor, Department of Mathematics, University of California, San Diego. I'm way out of my league here. I'm not a math person. Hi, Dr. Tony. I know you're probably giving up on Haribo gummies for this new artisanal gummy bears, but I wanted to add a fun fact. The name Haribo is actually a portmanteau. Is that, did I pronounce that right? Portmanteau? Yeah. For the founder, Hans Riegel, and the city it was founded in, Bonn, Germany. Take the first two letters of each, and boom, you got Haribo. <laughs> by the way, if you ever get a chance to visit Bonn, make sure to walk by the Haribo factory. You'll know you're close because there's a very distinctive smell of sugar in the air. It's the best smelling pollution I've ever been around. <laughs> from Adam LaPera in Haymarket, Virginia. To clarify my 20 outlet email from the mailbag last week, <laughs> it's a large kitchen with an eat-in area. I counted the outlets behind the, the fridge because if you don't count it, then you got no food. An outlet is an outlet and should be counted no matter Not if according you to plug Dad. <laughs> a micro wave or a fridge or a $300 toaster into it. 
This is your position. Yes. Michael. This is your position, not mine. <laughs> My beverage drawer deserves to be counted. <laughs> I will defend this stance until I die or until I forget, likely the latter. If you want to throw hands or hit the alien out of a sand trap, you know where to find it. <laughs> this is great from William Marcus, formerly of Michigan and now Marin County in California. The picture of Dorian Gray. Oh, and sure. And he goes, Lake Orion. Lake Orion, like the picture of Dorian Gray. Just remember this when I don't remember it. I will Lake remember that. Orion. Yeah, Dorian Orion, yes. From Jonathan Messenger in Bellevue, Washington, Orion. formerly of <laughs> Minneapolis, Minnesota, formerly of Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. I'm listening to the January 19th episode. I'm hearing Sally Jenkins talk, but I can't get over something. Did you really say, I don't know if you people outside of D.C. can read the Washington Post on the internet or not. Yes, we can. That's exactly how me, a plebe, who lives outside, or a pleb, for plebeian, I guess. I don't know how you pronounce that. Who now lives outside of Seattle was able to have read the Jewel Thief story roughly around the same time you did, only I wasn't able to call Jeannie when I was done reading it to get her thoughts. <laughs> Thanks for being America's favorite Luddite. And if you could, please let Jeff Hawkins and Ben Flack know they can eat it like Saliza. From Dr. Stephen Singh in Crystal Lake, Illinois. Question for you about your new sponsor, True Bill. Can they help me with a dispute I'm having with my local water company over an unusually large bill for September 2020? Thanks a lot. And one more. From Cindy McLeroy. Or McLeroy. I don't know. McLeroy or McLeroy. I don't know. McElroy? Dear doctor. No, it's M-C-L-E-R-O-Y. Like Leroy. Okay. I'm not sure. Dear Grandpa Tony. I'm a longtime female millennial little. Shout out to the other female millennials that wrote in a few weeks ago. And I'm writing because I'm a Subaru driver, and yes, I agree with all the generalizations about how pompous we are. <laughs> anyway, my husband and I recently took a trip to our local REI to purchase a roof rack storage box uh. so that we would have more room to haul camping gear on family trips and fit our dog Lucy with us. And all I could think as we were there was, what in the world would the TK crew think if they saw this on the road? I'll hang up now and listen as you and the gang discuss with ire the likes of me and other Subarus with roof racks headed out on our outdoorsy vacations. <laughs> At least it's not a Tesla. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here?
I'm not the one who's always right. 